B2C business, the blog and podcast for game changers and innovators in the construction industry. Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of the AEC Business Podcast. I'm Arnie Heiskanen and my guest is Marco Steinberg. He is a consultant, architect and former associate professor at the Harvard Design School. He has also been the strategic design director at Citra, the Finnish Innovation Fund. Currently, he has his own practice, Snowcone and Haystack. Marco, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I already uh, gave a short intro, uh, but can you elaborate a bit on your background and, and your company? Yeah, well, as as you can kind of probably tell from my background, I'm an architect by training. And I think at some point I became interested, not so much, let me put it this way, in terms of the built environment. Many of us think that the built environment could be of a higher quality. So why is it that it's not? And is the problem that we don't have enough architects or is the problem that we don't have enough enlightened clients? And I began to realize that enlightening clients might be where the bottleneck was. And so I got interested in the more strategic dimension of uh, design. And in my practice today, I'm really interested in bringing that kind of strategic perspective that design can bring to the public sector. So I'm interested in answering the uh, innovation in the public sector call. So we uh, we have heard a lot of talk about experimentation, rapid prototyping, uh, internal startups, and so on. Do you think this is just a fad or do you see that experimentation is something that established companies or governments should uh, really adopt and why? So uh, to be quite simple, I would say, no, this is not a fad at all. And I think actually the idea of experimentation, of prototyping is uh, even more and. There's many ways you could slice and dice this. So let me just take my own sort of angle that comes from the public sector perspective, but I think is applicable, broadly speaking. And it has to do with the concept of risk and uh, uncertainty. Now, a lot of people like to bundle these two terms. So they might talk in conversation and say, well, how do we manage risk and uncertainty as if they're kind of similar? But in fact, they are have a fundamental difference. Risk is all about probability. And uncertainty is about a lack of probability, meaning that I can talk about the risk of crossing the street 100 times because I know that every X crossings, there will be an accident. Whereas in 1969, we could not speak about risk when we went to the moon for the first time because no one had done it before and there was no probability of success or failure. And hence, we can only talk about uncertainty. So why is this so important? Well, as the public sector is under incredible strain to renew itself, it needs to start actually doing things that it hasn't done before. It's the solutions less about improving the given solutions that governments have and will be more and more about creating new kinds of solutions. And if you've never done it before and there's no probability or statistics around it, we can't really talk about risk. Big organizations and governments are really built around risk management, not uncertainty. So what prototyping and rapid experimentation allows you to do is that at a very small scale, try something out. If it fails, the consequences will be very small. But what it does in the process, it creates an uncertain idea and creates the first events, the first statistics. It actually helps translate uncertainty into risk. And so I think one way to think about prototyping and experimentation is it's the means to translate uncertainty into risk 
And we're entering more and more a world of uncertainty and leaving in increasing <laughs> speed a world of risk. But do you have ideas or recommendations for someone who wants to start building, let's say, a culture of experimentation in their organization? I think I would probably have several kinds of recommendation and maybe I'll just start with the more basic ones. I think first is just to look around and um, see where success has happened. What were the preconditions of success, I think, for any kind of experimentation that's happened somewhere? And I think really to learn that story would be kind of imperative and not to underestimate the value of things that I think maybe big corporations or big governments may tend to think of as unimportant. Uh, the intangibles of relationship between peoples, uh, the quality of collegial working, um, the openness of an environment, et cetera, et cetera. So that'd be sort of one thing. Look where success has happened before and study what are the prerequisites for success. And I, and I think a couple of things that we would probably find is the role of good leadership, strong leadership, Uh, leadership that can lead in a world of uncertainty, I think, is one question. I mm-hmm. think just getting, uh, you know, uh, top of breed people, really, really good people. Um, so, you know, without really good people for that kind of a job, it could be good people for other jobs. Uh, you'll fail. And if you fail the first time, I think the culture of experimentation will fizzle away very soon. So mm-hmm. get the right people both from leadership and doing. Uh, one last thing I would just add in terms of the leadership aspect is I think one of the roles of leadership is to make room for people to actually get stuff done. And um, the kind of snowplow mentality. So I think a good leader is somebody who can deal with uncertainty because that's what experimentation is going to have to deal with. And the second thing is that a good leader is a really good snowplow, can make space for those who do the work, can get the bureaucracy out of the way can get sometimes the lawyers out of the space or the engineers or, the, or whoever out of the space so that something can actually happen. Yes, um, you, you talked about, especially about human and soft things <laughs> when you mentioned uh, the, the, the idea of experimentation. So that's something that we should especially um, Uh, look at it's very I, i guess it's easier easier to experiment on technologies absolutely absolutely but even uh, let's not underestimate that if you experiment on technology where so we're looking at the sort of technical performance of things there's always a human factor uh, I, i've enjoyed very much of recent president obama has been talking about government and the fallibility of government the fact that governments fail sometimes at things has to do with the fact that it's a human enterprise. And I think this is a very nice term. Uh, Both government and businesses are, at the end of the day, human enterprises. And if you don't get the human factor right, human enterprises will fail. I agree. Um, Well, you you have a lot of experience and uh, and as, as, as a built environment specialist, I would expect that you might have some examples of experimental thinking and, and the results from from that yes i think um there's lots of great examples i would generalize by saying they tend to be pockets they tend to be the exception 
rather than mainstream. And so a kind of broad context for this would be to say that these examples, our challenge today is not necessarily creating new examples, but how do we make these examples part of the mainstream way of doing? Now said that, maybe I'd like to just focus on two very different ones. One, a project that I've had a direct connection with and another one, an indirect connection. Uh, the indirect one is um, the city of Constitución in Chile. It's a very interesting experiment where in 2010, the tsunami in Chile basically obliterated the city. I think it's a city of about 60, 70,000 people. And the city planning or city leadership had the question of how do we rebuild? And they could have done by doing how we always planned before, which in Helsinki, for example, means that a master plan takes about 15 years to do. <laughs> then you got to add, you know, the time it takes to dig the holes and build. It's 25 years before people, you know, start living. And they said no. So they decided they would actually do uh, that master planning in 90 days. What usually takes 15 years, they do it in 90 days. And by putting such an impossible task in front of them, it forced the whole system to rethink how they went about it. And so the long story short is that they went through a co-creative process that engaged the whole city of Constitución. They came up with a master plan after 90 days. They had a referendum on the master plan and 94% of the citizens of Constitución voted for the master plan. And I, I, I think we'd all be hard pressed to find that kind of support in any democracy anywhere in the world. Right. So I think this is a great uh, example of where experimentation just out of sheer necessity forced the system to rethink the process, not make the given process more efficient, but completely rethink it. And what you end up is with better, faster and cheaper. Now, the second one, without kind of boring you and your listeners too much, is uh, a project I worked on um, and led on when I was at the Finnish Innovation Fund, which was a project here in Helsinki. In Yatkasari, which used to be a harbor part of the town and now is in, under intense development, and we had a city block. And what we did there was we, with other part investors, decided that we wanted to make this block zero carbon. And then the question was, what do we mean by zero carbon? And this included not just the energy the building uses, but the energy is used to make the building, but also the energy that its users consume whether through food or travel or in the building itself. So a very broad definition of carbon. And then by really thinking about it, what the architecture of the solution ought to be, meaning how do you change behavioral things? How do you change legal frameworks that allow for, say, wood to be used um, in buildings? How do you change the partnership models? How through this architecture you can create a new model of development? And so at the end of the day, the experimentation was, Yes, to make a city block in Helsinki that be zero carbon, but and actually create a market, a development market in Finland for zero carbon. So I think that's an interesting example. It also in a way failed. So I think for those who are interested in pursuing reading more about it is also to think a little bit about why things fail sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, we know that uh, that Finland um, is in a dire situation when when it comes to economy. The government of Finland has mentioned experimentation in their governmental program. Uh, do you have Do you have any ideas where the public sector should experiment in regard to the built environment in Finland? Um, absolutely, I think there's tons of opportunities. Um, I think this question of where has to be tied with the ability to do so. And I think this is part of the bridge that's missing. 
what I mean by this, it's it's fine for governments to say, well, we should experiment. But if they don't have the internal capacity to drive the experimentation ecosystem, uh, they're also not going to have the sharp enough vision to make things happen. So it's not something that can be outsourced completely. Uh, that said, I think there's lots of things. It's it's amazing, you know the zero carbon example I just spoke about is something I think that Finland should lead on. We know climate change is an issue. Finland has all of the criteria for success here for a, a completely new development model to to emerge. Uh, yet we do very little about it. We have also other kinds of issues, which has probably to do very much with the overregulated nature of the built environment. So that, for example, the use purpose of buildings cannot be can't be changed quickly. And yet our demographics is changing. So where we previously had a lot of young people, now we have a lot of old people. And if we want old people to stay at home, we need to allow those houses to also house services. And so we have regulatory things that prevent that from happening. And we also have things like uh, I think in the Helsinki region, we have over 12, 12 to 13 percent of office buildings are empty. And at the same time, we're having a housing crisis. It seems kind of absurd, <laughs> right? So I think there's a lot of things we can do on the front of the sustainability sort of model and, and uh, responding to that. But I think there's a lot that we can do in making for smarter buildings, not through technology, but creating frameworks for building use that is more flexible. And a lot of that has to do with just peeling away onion layers of regulatory you know, limits that have come through times. Yeah. Well, this has been a, an awesome interview. <laughs> Thank you very much. And and finally, um, how can our listeners learn more about your services? Well, first of all, thank you very much. I really enjoyed this. Um, and if people are interested, I, I would say there's three maybe simple channels. The simplest zero barrier channel is to Google. <laughs> and, and I think probably, especially if people want to hear a little bit, some of the presentations I've given, go on the video sides of things and you'll see some uh, presentations. Um, for those who want to get a bit closer, uh, my company website is uh, snowcone.fi. And there's some resources, including literature and stuff there. Um, I'm pretty bad at updating it, but I think that's a, a bit of a portal into this. And then actually, when I worked for the government for the Finnish Innovation Fund, um, we archived our team's work in uh, on a site called Helsinki Design Lab.org. So Helsinki Design Lab.org. And it's really well organized thanks to the brilliant efforts of my team. And it's a wealth of information from literature, from the books we publish, the how-to manuals, to the projects we did, their impact, videos, tools, a whole bunch of stuff. And by the way, this real estate development project, which I mentioned, uh, Low to Know, was the name of the competition, is there too. So Google my website or HelsinkiDesignLab.org. Thank you very much, Marco, and all the best to your work. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend.